Hey y'all, today we're talking to Chris Banks and Thea Rahman, two young black political operatives who have done work on presidential and gubernatorial races. We talked to them about how they got into the work, what keeps them there, and what drives them nuts on a campaign. Check it out. Okay. Hi, my name is, <laughs> why is, why is because it? I don't know, introduce yourself can mean so many things. Yeah, so like just like, your name and okay. what you do. Okay. My name is Thea. Um, I'm the deputy campaigns director. Okay. Yeah. Of what? Uh, for the Virginia House Democratic Caucus. Okay. And what's your name? My name is Chris Banks. I am a um, digital practitioner currently serving as digital director for the Virginia House Democratic Caucus. Awesome. Okay, thanks y'all for coming down to my radio show. So today we're here to talk about your work in political organizing and kind of how you got started. Do you, Chris, can you go first? Like, how did you get started in politics? And um, Yeah, sure. Uh, so I am... Um, Wait, don't give us like your... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I got you. Like, I, so Give I'm, us real Chris, because yeah, real I'm Chris from, is fun. I'm, I'm from Michigan. <laughs> what, what part of Michigan? Detroit, Michigan. Oh, okay. And the Detroit so, jumped out. You know, right. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, uh, in Detroit, like factory workers, like hardworking people. And so, like... Most of my life, like as a childhood, I was at marches and like for like union stuff, like, mm -hmm. and uh, we went to a really radical black church. Like I had church, like they like do a trip to Africa every year and my grandma was super involved. And so like, I kind of like always had like an idea of like polit po politics, like ain't no white Santa in my house. Like, like <laughs> everything was black and everything was like pro-black. So I kind of had like the idea of that identity early on. And then like, as time moved on, like, um, and it's going to sound so crazy, but since third grade through, like, graduating undergrad, I was on student government every year except for my freshman year of college. And so I've always, like, had a passion for, like, systems, structures, that type of stuff. So then I got an internship um, my senior year of school. I only got it because my professor was like, how many credits you need to graduate? I was like, mm, maybe, like, 16 or whatever. He's like, well, my internship's 18. I said, oh, definitely, I'm in there. So he got me at the Michigan Democratic Party, and um, I graduated. The summer happened. Um, the people that I worked with there, they loved me. They had got a new political organizer director. They like, you got to hire this boy. You got to hire this boy. They hit me up like, you should apply. You should apply. And then when my, like, graduation gift money ran out, like, <laughs> midway through the summer, I was like, oh, I got to get a job. So then I hit them back. was like, hey, what's up with that job? And honestly, I got that job at the MDP, and it, like, that's it. Like, honestly, the rest is written in stone. I got a job at MDP. They nurtured me. They taught me. They put me in, like, central Michigan, like, the 4th Congressional District. And that's, listen, that's cornfields. Um, they have a Misik Mushroom Festival. I was at a mushroom festival, the only black person in the whole county, I swear. Like <laughs> trying to connect, trying to collect like uh, signatures for a is that congressional where candidate. Is? No, I no no. Frankenmuth is the other side of the state. Oh okay. Like Misik is like like in up in here. Like Ooh. yeah, listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> we went to this parade anyway. But yeah, so like um, they put me in the middle of nowhere, and like I was I was really drawn towards activists, like. Like, not so much the politicians, but so much more the activists. Like, these people that, like, get up and volunteer and, like, bake cookies and, like, really believe in these causes. I vibe with them so much. And, you know, Michigan and um, Michigan people, like, older or whatever. And so, like, mid-Michigan was really, like, like old school. Mm -hmm. And so I got in there and was like, okay, first thing I'm going to do is get these people using, like, the Internet. You know, like, I'm like, I'm like, I need to get these people using the Internet. Because this parts of Michigan, and I'm pretty sure everywhere else, I know in Virginia, where people still using dial-up. So mm -hmm. like I was wow. like like I'm doing a training and I'm like Facebook, Twitter, and they what like what year is this? This is 2010, 2011. Okay. And people were like um we got dial up. I'm like what? Ooh. So like they still had the AOL like 
pack CD Exactly. Like, so I'm like, I didn't even realize that. So, like, that also, like, kind of drew me to, like, stay in. Because I'm like, okay, there are people out here that are activists and they can't go to the next level. It's some, you know, like, it's like, I started to realize there's, like, such an interconnectedness to, like, all these issues. And so, honestly, that first gig at MDP, like, learning that type of stuff, it just kept me in the game. Thea, how did you get started in politics? Well, my start is a lot different than Chris's. Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, California, uh, South Central. And I really didn't start becoming aware of politics until 9-11. Mm. I remember just when the whole thing happened or whatever, but just kind of like the aftermath of it, right? Like mm -hmm. what George Bush was doing and then um, just like his interactions and watching his debates and stuff like that. Like I've always kind of been interested in debates in the presidential process, like electing a president. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't really know what any of that meant until I graduated high school. And I, my first junior my first junior college class was political science. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, this is how you become somebody in power? Like, oh my, like, it just clicked, it all clicked for me. Like, I went to a medical magnet school. Like, I'm not a science person or math person at all. Mm -hmm. um, so when I got that class, I was like, this is what I want my major to be. You know, some people would like second guess I can go through majors. That was never me. Like I was, I'm an untraditional student. I bounced around from school to school, but my major, major never changed. Like I always knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, mainly because I wanted to be a lawyer, but I think after I like, took the LSAT, I was like, oh, f no. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like that's, a, no, that's fine. I feel like that's like the standard like thing that they give to kids that, that seemed like they would be in something dealing with policies like become a lawyer become a lawyer right but you don't even need to have a political science degree to become a lawyer so that's what makes it so stupid and of course i don't realize that till my freaking senior year <laughs> so it's like it's too late now um but i took the lsat and i knew that i didn't want to necessarily defend people in court and so transferred to norfolk state that's how i ended up out here and first year first semester uh i got a organizer for a campaign came into our classroom was like who wants to be on campaign and i jumped on it i don't remember his name but it was for a state um state senate race who, in 2015. Bo uh, bobby scott no 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 uh it was in virginia beach it was okay. gary mccullum and okay. wagner it was against him uh he lost though but that was my first taste of campaign life and i did mm -hmm. a campaign internship every semester for the rest of my college career ended with three internships organizing on campus for three different organizations uh, which was super cool and then my first job um outside of college was i was a woman i was a body aide for tom periello he was a 27 gubernatorial uh, candidate running its Tom um ralph northam and that was still one of the best jobs I've ever had. Mm -hmm. um, what is me. a body aid? So basically, I staff the candidate. Like that's basically my what job. What does that mean? You all. <laughs> so so when you staff a candidate, basically means where where the candidate goes, you go. Uh -huh. Like you guys move as move and op sorry move and operate as one. Okay. Um, so if he has to be at an event at seven o'clock in the morning, so do you. So I drove him, and I was his staffer. So like if people were giving him cards, I would collect cards gotcha. and I would follow up with them and say like, hey, you gave me your card for Tom. Do you want to do a fundraiser? Do you want to have a um, mm -hmm. a house party so that people can get to know him a little better and just kind of like staffer slash constituent services like the people that I'm talking to mm -hmm. um, and then I'm also work closely with the scheduler so I had to know what time he had to be there I had to map out like the route and know like the time difference between where we have to go to make sure that we're there on time mm -hmm. and that was like is this before Google Maps or no no this was during Google Maps thank okay. god like, okay. 
really, I said that too. I was like, my job would be so much harder if uh-huh. like I had to like print out maps or something. I know how to yeah. read. Shout maps. out to all the old school organizers Man, I know. who used to use physical maps <laughs> to get in the turf, right? Shout <laughs> out to them because that was crazy. So uh, that was my first uh, campaign job. Okay, cool. What? How many campaigns have you all done? Do you know how many you've done at this point? I, you know, um, I've always like so the be. The beginning of my work was like very much statewide, so mm-hmm. I worked with a lot of campaigns and a lot of different candidates. Okay. Um, and since then, I've kind of usually done like statewide work. So, um, direct on a campaign, the only direct. Oh, I've worked on two direct. No, three. Sorry, three direct campaigns. I worked um, in Detroit for Hester Wheeler, who was running for city clerk. Okay. I was the Michigan digital director of Hillary Clinton. Okay. And I was uh, Gretchen Whitmer's, uh, who ran for governor in Michigan. I was her digital director. And those she are, won. And she won. Yes. And those are three direct campaigns I work for. But other than that, I usually work for organizations that like serve as multiple campaigns gotcha. or like doing some outreach for multiple campaigns. Gotcha. And how about you, Thea? Um. I want to say like four. Mm-hmm. Uh, my internships were all on like small local, small local campaigns, um, and then the one with Tom. And then I've worked with um, who I work with now, and then with Virginia, who also like helps support multiple can uh, multiple campaigns at one time. Mm-hmm. And y'all are pretty young, like in your twenties still. No, I'm thirty one. You still young. You a youth, a young youth with a gold tooth. I mean, listen, I used to be like the youngest person in the office, and I looked around and was like, wait, when did I not be the youngest person in the office anymore? Because it happens for so long, for so long. People are like, oh, Chris, he's the young, young guy, internet questions, blah, blah. And then, like, you look around, I'm like, wait. So yeah. I'm old <laughs> in my brain. You're not old. I'm, I'm 29. Okay. All right, cool. So in the same same range. What was it like being a young black staffer for some of these campaigns or, like, in these spaces? As a woman, as a young black man, what's it like? It was, it was definitely different. Like when I my first day, not for, was it my first day, my first week when I went into the office when I worked with Tom, and there was a black, a uh, queer man there, and he was like, I think I went up to him and asked him something. He was like, "You work here?" I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Another black." He just gave me a big hug, but it was like a super warm welcome. And mm-hmm. I was the only other person of color. That was before I had saw him. I just thought I was the only one. But oh, I was wow. the only female. I was the only black female. Okay. There were other women of color, but I was the only gotcha. black female on the campaign. And uh, we had two queer black men on the campaign as well. Okay. Um, but it's kind of isolating mm-hmm. um, because, like, I went to an HBCU. And me and Chris both shared this, like, Mm-hmm. So to go from HBCU into a super white uh, space, uh, which is politics in general, mm-hmm. uh, super white male space, mm-hmm. um, it was isolating. And you had to like kind of figure out, granted, Tom's great. The chief of staff, Brennan, was great. Like I never felt uncomfortable around them. Or I couldn't be myself with them. I mean, of course, I wasn't like as the as I would be with my friends. But it was like a com- right. It's like yeah. it was like a comfortable enough for my first yeah. job for us to spend have to spend as much time as we did because some days we were spending eighteen hours together. Mm. Um, so they did make it comfortable enough, but there was still that level level of like, oh, I can't say that or I can't, you know, do the things I would actually want to do mm-hmm. if I was around my friends or my family. Gotcha. Um, so my first job at DP, Michigan Democratic Party, uh, before I got on staff, there was it was a small staff, um, but diversity was a white uh, British man. <laughs> like that was diversity. What? Yeah. And we had an older um, we had an older <laughs> black woman, Sylvia, who was like Mark's assistant, had been his long term assistant, always been there. But 
so when they brought when they hired me, they also hired another organizer at the same time, Thomas, black dude. He was from Michigan State. Um, he was an alpha, so like he was black, black, and like I was black, black, and so mm-hmm. like like good enough, like we were able to like bond. But like outside of that space, like uh, it was a very long time. So I wasn't doing work in Detroit yet, and so mm-hmm. like it was a very long time before like I would see black, you know, I would see other black people, and so, and so like they would want to do all these like happy hours mm-hmm. and all this social stuff, and I was like, I'm not doing that. And so like um, plus they'd be going to places that like I didn't necessarily know, and like it was just I didn't necessarily like like dive in right away. But having Thomas there though like made the work days go really well. But like early on, it was just like I didn't necessarily know. Um, how comfortable I am and grateful that like I did go to HBCU and then finished at a PWI because hmm. at least I knew um, in that sense. Wait, what HBCU did you go to? I went to Bethune-Cookman for two years. Yeah. Plot twist. Yes. <laughs> All <laughs> On these the world's days. most famous beach. Like, yes, I love Daytona. <laughs> um, What's something about politics that people, like you talked about 18 hour days. Like I think people kind of get that but like what's something that people um, misunderstand about what life in politics is is really like? Because I feel like, like you see, maybe a scandal or a um, West Wing. I don't know if there are any r- real like black political shows or political shows about other like people of color, but not well written. Yeah, well, what? <laughs> <laughs> they had they had that one that was, like it was on like Bounce or something where like the man was the president, like the black oh, president. Oh yeah, yeah. See, and they had one where like a guy <laughs> ran for mayor, but like not like it was a joke. Yeah, it was like he ran for mayor as a joke, but like political, because there are some places like Detroit, which has like a strong black political class Mm -hmm. or like other places where like folks are just like more involved in their community. I'm sure L.A. has like a strong political person of color political class. Yeah, Maxine Waters. Hey, Auntie Maxine. She's a representative in the L.A. area. Okay, Maxine Waters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody knows Maxine. I don't like calling people auntie because that's not my auntie. We got to respect her. One thing that might surprise folks is that um, I think people think running for office is a lot easier than it really is. Mm. And I know that from experience, like I tried to help a girl run for a camp, uh, run for office and she couldn't handle it. And then I think because a lot of people think it, it's a lot easier uh, than it. They think it's easy and it's really, really, really not. Um, and there's parts of running a campaign and running for office that people just don't see, i.e. fundraising, um, i.e. trying to, you know, build a field plan and things like that. And then another thing I think people don't see is like those very small, intimate conversations that candidates have with constituents, like the super important ones, the ones that it's like, wow, I wish everybody can see see that so they can see like this person is really trying to make a difference and they're not out here just trying to like take your money because Mm -hmm. running for office is very expensive. Um, And if you don't have the money, it makes running that much harder and it makes it that much harder to make a difference. Um, So I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't see is just how hard it is. And then once you get in office, how hard it is to like fight against the structures of what's in there and what you're trying to change. Like you can't go in there and change one thing in one day or one term, like you have to keep voting for that person and make sure that person stays in office because that's the only way they're going to continue to fight against the structures that are hindering the constituents. But people feel like, oh, I voted for you once. You should be fine now. But in reality, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. That's so real. No, that's so real. And I would say like, you know, I always joke with people and I say my life is way more veep and way less West Wing. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's way less, like, fast walking through hallways and so much more, like, what are we doing? You know, and I think a lot of times people feel like, oh, it's like, you know, like, you, you get to see 
Um, like you see what you see on the news and you see what you see. And that's only a small lens into like the amount of people that are behind it to the amount of work that you're putting in. Like they said, those moments that like you don't get to see like people, you know, people who are on the outside looking at often are like, how could you support that person? Because they voted this one time that one way I didn't like. And I'm like, well, you didn't see. Like, I was like, you don't see this person when they are having a real discussion with somebody, mm-hmm. um, you know, whose child is sick and needs health care or like who really, you know, like some a single mother that's like struggling and like trying to explain their issues and see these candidates really connect. And and I appreciate the for bringing up like the systems and the structures like we're trying to break them down. Our, can, our, our candidates that get elected also are trying to break them down. But, like, so many of these things are so ingrained into the system. That's why you have to keep supporting people. Mm-hmm. And you cannot, like, we, we can't get so angry, mm-hmm. you know, when a person that we support does one or two things that we don't like because they're doing a million other things that we do. Mm-hmm. And, like, also realize that um, it trickles down, too. These, these people have staffers. Who have families who are putting in a ton of hours. I don't think people have any idea how much, how many hours we put into the work that we do. When, when campaigns are in the thick of it, like you're gonna see your, you're gonna see the people you work with way more than you see your boyfriend, your children, whomever. Like you are going to see these people. I've been, I've literally like only gone home to take a shower, you know, on some campaigns because like we're in the thick of it, and you know, on a national campaign, you know. The candidate, you know, the, you know, the candidate is coming on this day. Her spouse is coming on this day. Her child is coming on this day. They all three have national profiles, and I'm responsible for making sure the outreach. You know, it, it's it's a lot that goes into it, and it's not just the person you see. There mm-hmm. are a lot of people that are behind the scenes that are great people, hardworking people, and I think that's what people don't get. People just like to associate it with this one person because they see, and it's like. That is, it has a trickle down effect, you know. If if you all are like vilifying this person because of this one thing, like that's gonna have like there's a whole ethos around that person that is going to be affected. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people do not realize that. Like mm-hmm. I mean, you 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 know, you, staffers are we're, we're crying sometimes, and it's like <laughs> sometimes we're crying because we're overwhelmed with joy. Sometimes we're crying because we haven't slept enough. Sometimes we're crying because we just don't know if this person that we support so much is gonna be able to come out on the other side. And mm-hmm. we're working so hard to make that happen. What's the hardest, like, when is the time on a campaign or, like, in your work that you just felt like my heart can't go on? Like, I, you just want to throw up your hands and walk away. GOTV always forever. <laughs> get, out, get out the vote. Get out the vote is usually two weeks before Election get Day. Get out the vote. And that is when it's the most intense. Mm-hmm. That's when everybody's focused on mm-hmm. what's happening. So, like, you, you could be, you know, you could head, you know, head on pillow and wake up. And like, there's 15 articles mm. out about you. Like, wait, what? No. And but in addition to that, you got to get your teams out, and you got to reach all those goals. I think those last two weeks, those last two weeks, I'm usually just working on fumes. Like, I don't know what my name is. I don't know. Like, I'm just like, go, go, go. Mm. And like, we will see what happens when polls close. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. I agree. I think um, GOTV is a stressful time. Like, super, super, super stressful. Um, and I feel like other times, like even times before that, I would say like October, you know what I mean? Like that's when like everybody's really paying attention, mm-hmm. like um, because, you know, you have your informed voters. They know what's happening. They pretty much know how they're going to vote. But most of the people who push over that margin, that winning margin of the people are going to start paying attention in October. Mm. Um, and that's when the articles are going to start coming out and just start to build up controversy to kind of like switch. You know, I know an article that came out. 
I think it was like three weeks um, in my first campaign and it like plummeted the polls for Tom. And mm-hmm. so it's like those are like prime time. Like that's a prime time where everything is just so delicate because at this point, everybody's paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just at that point, it's like every I mean, every vote always counts. But it's like every door knocks, every every uh, text sent, every phone call made, every shift shifted and completed. Like all of those things really, really matter. Mm-hmm. And so um you know, I used to organize for Planned Parenthood and shifting people is hard. Like, it's very, very, very and hard. when you say shifting, what shifting do you mean? Shifting people for shifts, basically like knock doors, our phone bank or the syntax, basically trying to increase the outreach of the candidate. Um, and a lot of people, again, that's something that people don't see, like trying to get people to knock doors and trying to get those volunteers to get out there and do things. Um, donating helps, but it's like if you support that person, go fill a shift. Like, go make a phone call, host a house party. Like, if you really support those people, like, find other ways. Like, um, house a organizer or a staff person. Like, those are the other type of ways people can be uh, active. Because, like Chris had mentioned, like, those campaigns are supporting a system of people who are supporting their own family and feeding mouths of their children and things like that. Like, um, when people that we elect who are who support what we want they hire people um that is increase like recycling the dollar basically and back into the community and so we have to remember that that's also a way for people to help as well um but all of that is stressful campaigns are stressful in general i feel like people who do them are crazy and (laughs) i mean i'm glad that i know other people that's like oh my gosh you enjoy this too um i remember i met this one woman she had just finished her first campaign it was like a scoreboard campaign she was like i she was like i'm still on a high and i was like you're never gonna find that high at another job Mm -mm. and she was like like she looked at me i was like i'm telling you this right now like it's just a different type of feeling when you're just just so much adrenaline because you have such a short amount of time to accomplish so many things and once it's done, her candidate didn't even win. But it was just like <laughs> I, I was gonna say, I was say win, lose, or draw. Lose, yeah. Like like that energy. Like yeah, that energy is just a level that's just I, I, I honestly like I can't <laughs> I can't describe that. And like I've worked, you know, at different organizations and stuff, like but like on that campaign, like once once it's all done, you look you look back, you know, a week, you know, from election after election day and you're like well, what is my life? <laughs> like, what is my life? I guess I'll go to the to the market or something. After like, you my know. first job, I took like a month and a half off. Granted, I saved enough money to do that, but like, people were like, "Oh, this this campaign is hiring. This campaign is hiring." I was like, "I don't even want to think about work or a job. Mm. Leave me alone." Like, and that's kind of another thing that I enjoy about doing campaign jobs because you 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 put all that time in, but you can afford to take a break if you manage your money correctly. What is something about camp besides like the high of and thrill of working on a campaign? Was something like a point in a campaign where you were like, "Oh man, this was like amazing." Um, like I said, I love volunteers, and so um, I really love that moment when like a volunteer, a volunteer gets to meet the candidate for the first time, right? Or mm-hmm. like the volunteer sees their self in the campaign commercial, or like they, <laughs> you know, like like they like that brings them so much joy, mm-hmm. and like sometimes you you could get caught up in like this is work, you know, this is my job, and then you look at the joy in that person's face, and like like I said, sometimes you're crying because you're happy, like because <laughs> but you're not sleeping enough, so like everything is emotional, so like you go in the corner, you're crying, everybody's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm just so happy that Cheryl finally got to meet her, you know, like it's like because like th- those moments. 
moments really like remind you that this is people work, you know, that mm-hmm. this is people, people centered, people powered work. And some of these people will they come out like the, I will always say I love the volunteers because they come out and they aren't getting the paycheck I get, you know, like yeah. they like. Like, you know, you say you staffed, you know, the candidate like I, as a digital director, sometimes I'm with the candidate. I'm in the house. I mean, you know, and so like it's not even it's not even exciting anymore. It's like, girl, I've seen you a million times. But like that, that that volunteer comes in every day mm-hmm. knowing they may never even meet that candidate, but they believe in this so much. And so that moment that they get to meet them, it's like. It's amazing. So I, I remember, like, um, when when um, in Michigan, when they um, announced that Garland Gilchrist um, was going to be lieutenant governor candidate, first African-American uh, lieutenant governor of Michigan, I remember seeing him have a conversation with, like, three young black boys. I, I didn't, I never had that as a young, you know, as a young black boy. I never had, like, you know, a state level, you know, someone that could achieve state level in politics. And I'm, right. I'm a big old political nerd, right? And I never had that. I never had that connection. And and like watching these young men like have this conversation with him, and I was just like, "Oh, this is like I was like I was like this is nine years like this is I could stop working in this business now because like that moment is like something I've been fighting for for a long time." And so it's like those type of moments where like you can have those full circle moments where you see a person just legitimately be overwhelmed with joy and appreciation for like what's happening. Thank you for listening to The Creative Kickback. If you'd like to listen to back episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast feed on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. This episode was edited by me, T, and our outro music is Call On Me by Aaron Abernathy. Peace.